0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Home and home. He is in Detroit. His name is Will Birchfield from 971. The ticket in Detroit. Will, it's Ross Tucker, Jason Mertidus. Really appreciate the time, man. Alright so let's start with this Will Um, Can you refresh our memories as to why Beeline left Michigan to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers Was he unhappy at all at Michigan or was it just all about the chance to be in the NBA?
2: A little bit of both. It wasn't so much unhappiness at Michigan as it was discontent with the college game. I think the The amount of time he had to commit to recruiting was beginning to wear on him. Um, How quickly guys would leave after he got them to school would wear on him. Last year, he watched Jordan Poole and Ivey Brazdaik as two underclassmen leave for the NBA and leave leave early, I think a lot of people thought. And When you commit so much time to getting guys into your program and then can't even teach them for more than a season, maybe two seasons, um, that kind of erodes uh, the base that B-Line wants to build. He's... At his purest um, a basketball teacher and it takes time to build his programs and when players are leaving early that he spent a lot of time trying to get there i think he just lost faith in in the college game at large um but you're right he, the nba had been a goal of his for a long time and it was kind of the perfect storm he, he was definitely a little bit um frustrated with things at michigan and college basketball then the calves come calling um make him an offer he gets a chance to coach a young team in his mind the kind of team that he could really mold. Um, and, and so I think that if Beeline hadn't made that move, regardless of how things went, he'd feel in some ways like his career was incomplete. And so he made that jump because it was a jump that he wanted to make his whole career, and um, things just didn't work out, as you guys saw on Cleveland.
0: W- would uh, Michigan have been fine keeping him for many, many, many more years, or was he seeing a writing on the wall that maybe... He should look at something different as well, because the situation at Michigan wasn't long for him.
2: Yeah, he, they would have been happy to keep him. Um, their AD had had talks uh, about keeping him there until the day he decided to quit coaching, whether that was five years from now, ten years from now. Um, they wanted him to stay long term. Now they ended up with what looks like so far a pretty good replacement, with Juwan Howard. Um, but but Michigan had no designs of of seeing Beeline leave. But again, this was kind of his calling and one way to kind of complete his career, and um, so he made the jump.
1: We're talking with Will Birchfield from One, The Ticket in Detroit, and we've been talking all day, Will, about sort of the grass is greener, and I'm glad we have you on because I guess Jason and I thought that Beeline was very happy in college. We didn't know, and that's kind of what we were curious about. Because I've talked to other college coaches that seem very happy in college. You know, the Jay Wrights of the world, if you will. But so you're telling me Beeline was sort of getting disgusted with it and was almost looking to leave. I guess I wonder if he'll want to come back to, to the college game somewhere now.
2: Yeah, I think if he does come back, he would be maybe at a, at a mid major or a smaller-scale program where he knows he can have his guys there for at least three years, hopefully four, um, and and really have a chance to mold them and and build his team. I think he realized by the end of Michigan that he almost became a victim of his own success because he was so good at coaching um, that he began to get really good players, and he was so good at coaching that he was developing them quickly. And so after a year or two there, they, in their own minds at least, and in their agent's minds or advisor's minds, were ready for the NBA. And so and so, by being so successful at Michigan, D-line, um, in a lot of ways, maybe unintentionally undermined uh, what he wanted to build. But if he does return, I think it would be somewhere um, smaller, maybe a mid-major, maybe even a D-3 school. Um, but I, I do think that the D-1, the high-level, power-five, power-six D-1 jobs um, have lost some of their luster for him. Uh,
0: well, it's it's interesting to me, too, when you look at B-line and Harbaugh. <laughs> you guys— yeah. There's one guy you would have liked to have kept in college, and there's probably another guy you'd like to send back to the pros with, <laughs> with Jim Harbaugh. Is it, it, this like a Michigan's kind of be like a, like a conundrum wrapped in a riddle right now with dealing with these coaches?
2: Yeah, it definitely seems that way. They still have, by all accounts, uh, pretty pretty immense faith in, in Harbaugh to get the job done. He has put them back in the national spotlight, but in much different ways. I mean, Beeline was the understated coach. Um, we didn't hear much from besides in basketball and Harbaugh his first three or four years at least was the opposite. He was in headlines for all kinds of reasons, none of which pertain to championships. Um, but but he's the guy they have and Beeline's the guy they lost. And um, again, they, they're pretty comfortable and, and really comfortable with with Juwan Howard and and still hopeful that Harbaugh can be the guy to bring the football team to the next level.
1: Talking with Will Birchfield, 97-1, the ticket there in Detroit. You know, Detroit's also been in the news, Will, as it relates to the quarterback position. Two different things, neither one of which make a whole lot of sense to me, but maybe I'm just missing it. Let's start with the Matthew Stafford trade rumors that the Lions have denied but the local television station there in Detroit reiterated that there have been talks. What's your read or take on that?
2: Yeah, my read is is that I believe Bob Quinn, when he says those reports and those rumors are hundred percent false. Um, I don't think a trade of Stafford is out of the question. Maybe a year from now, two years from now, this off season, I'd be flat out stunned to see it happen. They'd end up paying him more to play for another team next year than they would pay him to play for them. If they traded him this off season, Um, And as you guys probably well know, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are under a lot of pressure next season to win or at least make legitimate strides forward. And trading Stafford, their franchise quarterback, does not help them get there. No matter who you would replace him with, um, it does not help them get there. And so I think and believe Quinn when he says he's committed to Stafford um, for at least this season. Now, next season, let's see. Um, And I don't think that committing to Stafford – outrules the possibility of them drafting Tua. I I do think that they could draft Tua at three and groom him for a year under Stafford, then try and trade Stafford next season, next year, when the cap hit would be less. But for now, he's here, and I think he'll be their quarterback on on week one of the 2020 season.
1: All right, so that was going to
0: be – Go ahead, Jason. uh, Sorry, Ross. Uh, It's crazy to me, Ross, that franchise quarterbacks that got paid like franchise quarterbacks – are getting traded around the NFL, or there's conversation about them getting? When's the last time we had that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems like it's, sorry, it seems like it's been a while, which is which is why. Sorry, Will. I, I was gonna say, you really think that they, because they're the odds-on favorite along with the Dolphins to draft Tua, so yeah. you really think that that could happen? Because that doesn't make any sense to me either, unless they think that if they they draft Tua and don't have a great year, that maybe they would get extra time from Martha Ford, which she was pretty clear that wouldn't be the case.
2: Yeah, no, I I don't think they'll draft Tua. I I think it's much more likely that they trade down, whether it's with Miami, Carolina, maybe L.A., um, and try and draft someone like Jeffrey Okuda, Derek Brown. Their defense was terrible last year, it needs all kinds of help, has all kinds of holes. I think they're better served in the short term and probably the long term, too, by doing that. Um, but I, I just think that when you have a generational type player like Tua, who could be the franchise quarterback for years to come, um, that it's hard to ignore that. And so many teams in the NFL have proven that the way to win is would get a quarterback on a rookie contract, try and maximize that four-year window. Build a team around him. And and also they've proven with whether it's Rogers in Green Bay, Mahomes in Kansas City, that you can draft a quarterback, groom him for a year or two beneath the guy you have in place, and then kind of let him loose on the league. And that's something the Lions could do with Tua and Stafford. But I, I do think that they end up moving down to five, six, seven, grab a player on defense and hope for the best in twenty twenty.
0: Uh, well, we were looking at uh, NFL coaches and Matt Roll and, and the term that he got and Matt, Matt Patricia is a guy who comes from that Belichick tree and not a lot of guys have come from that tree and had success. Where is Detroit right now on Matt Patricia and, and being the guy that's going to kind of help out the Detroit Lions from what's a pretty tough, tough team to be a fan of for, for a lot of years.
2: Yeah. For about 60 years. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the Detroit is, um, is more uncertain by the day, it seems like. Um, there was a lot of hope entering last season after the team played pretty well in the second half of 20, 2018. Um, this season eroded a lot of faith that Detroit had in Matt Patricia. Um, and Bob Quinn is facing the same thing. He hasn't hit on many draft picks, many high draft picks. He's probably missed more than he's hit. Um, and he and Patricia are in lockstep when it comes to scouting players, what kind of players they want. So every, every failing on Quinn is also a failing on Patricia. The, the faith here is, um, is not very high. And if things don't turn around in 2020, I think they'll both be gone.
1: All right. So then, Will, my question is in Detroit, what are people talking about right now? And what is there to really be happy about? Like what, what franchise or college team, for that matter, do you guys feel the best about there?
2: Yeah, well, the college teams are really the one source of hope. You've got Michigan State basketball, Michigan basketball. You've got Michigan football against anyone besides Ohio State and anyone in the top ten, I guess. Um, that's where we get most of our excitement. The hope for the pro franchises lies in the future of the Tigers, of the Red Wings. The Pistons don't have much of a plan yet, and the Lions haven't ever had a plan, it seems like, Um So the the hope is in that Steve Iserman can, can get the wings back to relevance and that the Tigers with scores of good prospects can get themselves back there too. But it's been a long five years, man. No, no city with four major teams has lost as many games as Detroit has since 2016. And the gap is huge. So we need something to feel good about here. and It's been a long time.
1: Yeah. So speaking of feeling good about uh, the last question Or, second to last question, at least. Last sports question. Mel Tucker, no relation, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Are you, what's been the general reaction to Mel Tucker taking the Michigan State job and kind of how it all went down? You know, nationally, he's received a lot of criticism for the way in which it went down. How have people in Detroit reacted to it? The
2: reaction here has been pretty positive. I think I think once Michigan State fans got beyond the fact that they missed out on Luke Fickle, who was who was obviously their number one candidate. Once they got past that, um, they embraced Mel Tucker pretty quickly. Um, it's interesting though, it, like you said, he he had made it pretty clear he was committed to Colorado, and then he pulled a 180 about a week later, maybe even three or four days later. Um, he doesn't have much of a head coaching track record. He's got one season. He went five and seven. So he has a lot to prove, but Michigan State, for the first time in a while, has some wind back in its sails, a young coach who's got energy, who, who's ready and willing to do the, the grind of recruiting that Mark D'Antonio had kind of lost um, some excitement for. So the, the, re- the reaction's been pretty positive, and, and people feel pretty good about where the Spartans are um, moving forward with, with Mel Tucker.
1: Last question. It is Fat Tuesday, so... Man. I, by the way, I got to tell you something. I don't even know what that is. We'll talk about it later in the show. I don't even know what Fat Tuesday is. I know it's like a food thing. I really don't know what it is. But I'm supposed to ask you what food Detroit is known for. What food is Detroit known for?
2: Yeah, we've got our Coney Dogs, um, a hot dog smothered in chili sauce and cheese and mustard onion. That's that's pretty tough to beat. Um Detroit style Hold on a second. Pizzas. Hold on a second. Hold on a second.
1: Hold on a second. There's Coney Dogs everywhere. Who said that's a yeah, Detroit we,
2: thing? Yeah, yeah, we like to claim ownership here of Coney Dogs. So, listen, our sports teams are having a tough time. Just give us <laughs> Coney Dogs, man. Let us have the Coney Dogs. Uh, we'll take those proudly. And uh, Detroit-style pizza is pretty good as well. But I think the one thing that stands out is, is the Coney Dogs. And we're taking those, man, whether you want us to or not.
1: Okay, so first of all, there's actually a Coney Island where they have coney dogs. So <laughs> and it's not in Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in Detroit. Secondly, you know what I think of Detroit-style pizza? I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Are you talking about Little Caesars? What is Detroit-style no, yeah, so, pizza?
2: So it's, it's, a, it's a deeper dish, um, a thicker crust. Um, it's You got to come and try it, man. You come to Detroit, give me a call. I'll take you out. Uh, wherever you want to go, we'll get Coney dogs and we'll get Detroit-style pizza, and you'll be impressed by both. I guarantee
1: it. Got it. All right, hey Will, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. All right, we'll see you guys soon. Hi everyone, this is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8:30 to 10:30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at radio.com slash home.
2: Home and Home.